Hello, my name is Carl Lloydhauser. I am the senior pastor of Grace Community Church, and I am so excited that you are with us on this podcast. We also want you to get connected in a church family. If you don't have a local church, check us out at gracemontrose.org. We want to make sure that you have an opportunity to grow and connect with God. But we pray that these next 25, 30 minutes that you spend with us are powerful, that God meets you and speaks to you because he loves you so much. So uh, my daughter is... uh, She's getting married in November, my oldest daughter. Yeah, I'm excited about that. I, I like the guy. So he loves Jesus and he loves her. So that's good news. Um, but what I found out as we're going on, I, I found out that I'm actually, I'm not part of the planning committee. I thought I would be and I'm not. Uh, but I am, I am on the finance committee, I found out. They've allowed me to be part of that. And so I've been talking to her. And um, so, you know, she gets engaged. And so she's a nurse in Fort Collins and uh, she's you know, talking to all her other nurse friends. And many of them have been married for a little while and uh, reading these books on marriage. I mean, she's just that kind of uh, woman where she just like, you know, she gets it all lined up whenever she was the only one who's the only firstborn in our house. And so when she left, everything fell apart. We're like, whose birthday is it? What's going on right now? But so she's getting ready and she, she uh, says, well, dad, I'm looking at marriage and I'm just, as I'm hearing more about it, she says, it sounds to me uh, like it's, you know, she's a runner and she says, it's like, it's like a marathon and it's just, it's really, really hard. And then, um, but it's worth it. And I was like, no, Maddie, it's not like, no, it's not like, that's a horrible, where did you get that idea? Well, that's what you're looking forward to right now is running this marathon where you just kind of keel over. No, that is not what marriage is. And I said, marriage to me, actually, it's more like skiing and it's a blast and it's fun. But sometimes every once in a while you catch an edge, right? And you go down and you have to get back up. And you have to work things out. And, you know, you're looking at marriage right now in our culture. It just has a really bad rap. Like people do not have much value for it and they look down on it, but I, I think it's a wonderful thing. In fact, I found some research and uh, the question was, is it important uh, for couples with children to marry? And in America, 40% of people would say it is not at all important for people with couples with children to marry. And then 31% would say, well, kind of. It's kind of important. And only 29% of people in America would say, yes, it is very important for them to be married. Now, marriage just, it just has a bad reputation. And I want to submit to you that it's not because marriage is bad. It's because of what we're doing with it and what we have done with it. Now, when God created the world, he said that everything is good and it is good and it is good and it is good. And there was one time where he says, oh, this is not good. Genesis 2.18. And he says, and it is not good for man to be alone. So he made a helper suitable for him. It's not good for us to be alone. And Proverbs 18.22 says that he who finds a wife finds a good thing. So marriage is, it's a blessing. It is a good thing to be married. Unless it isn't, right? And that's when we take it outside of God's plan, when we take it outside of his will, then it becomes this grueling marathon that we just have to kind of work our way through. Now, I want you to understand that not everyone is called to be married. And there is a place for every single person in the kingdom of God, if you're married or not. But I do want to talk about this today, that if you are in marriage right now, or if you're coming out of a marriage, or you might consider marriage, or you know someone, or have a friend who might need some help with their marriage, this right here, this weekend is for you. I think we've got some powerful things that God wants to bring to you right now. 
And if you have uh, had a divorce, I want to explain something right now. You have to understand this. This is not a teaching on regret. Okay? What I don't want you to do is to think about the things that you didn't do or you should have done. And, oh, yeah, I blew it there or I blew it here. That, that is not what we're doing at all. This is a, this is a, for you, this is a sermon on hope. A hope for what it can be. Hope for what you will be, a hope for where we're going to go now. And I know that if you're in divorce, listen, I've been around and my parents were divorced, I've seen it. I know it was complicated. I know it wasn't your choice. I know it wasn't what you wanted or what you intended, okay? So now we say, how do we move forward? And so I'm going to give you some foundations. And these foundations work for marriage and they actually work for just about any relationship. But here's the first thing that I want you to understand. And you know, as I've been doing uh, weddings, for years, I would use, like many, many pastors, I would use 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast. And, and I would always tell them, and this is true, and I would say, now love is a choice. So now you need to go and you need to choose to not envy, and you cho choose to be patient, and you choose to be kind. And, and so th that's a fine teaching, but I don't do that anymore. In the last four or five years, I have found a new idea that we really have to hold on to, and it's something, just a foundation that I want everyone to get. And I think it's so important. This is how I lead the weddings right now, and this is how I want to lead you forward. And, and this is a big one. I think this is a good idea. Are, are you ready for it? And that is marriage is not for your happiness. It's for your holiness. That's a good idea. I'm going to say it again. Marriage is not for your happiness. It is for your holiness. Genesis 2.18, and God made a helper suitable for him. A helper is a complement. It's a partner. It's a contributor. And see, for your call and for the mission that God has you on, you need some help. And just to worship him, you need some help. There's so many times where Gina was just like, look up. Remember what you're going after. Remember what we're doing here. I just need a reminder sometimes. And we need help in our holiness, and we need help in our growth. And I think a really bad question that we often ask one another and we ask ourselves is, are you happily married? I think that's a horrible question. If you ask Gina, are you happily married? She would probably say, mostly, more or less. She might tell you, not today, right? Now, I, I am so happy. I'm so happy that I am married to Gina. There's no doubt about it. But I have found that the more that I chase after happiness, the more it just slips out of my hands. The more it becomes about my happiness, the less of my happiness I find. And I find as I seek to help her, and as I seek to, to see her grow, and I, I cherish her, and I love her, and I decide that actually this is for her growth, and this is for my growth, I have this amazing side effect, side benefit that comes. And you know what it is? It's happiness. We're not even trying for it. And God brings it when we bring it into his order. We talked, uh, I don't know if you remember, a few weeks ago about 1 Corinthians 9.12, where Paul said, I will endure anything for the sake of the gospel. And I know there's some spouses right now are saying, preach, you should see what I have to endure right now. But the goal, the goal of everything, including marriage, the goal is to prepare us for heaven. So that's what we're doing down here, is we're getting ready for what's next. It's not about your happiness, it's about your holiness. And is that how you look at it? So she keeps asking you to do something again and again and again. And if it's about your happiness, you know what you are? You're annoyed. Quit harassing me. 
But if it's about your holiness and her holiness, maybe you're concerned. Ah, oh, honey, why, why are you struggling with so much worry? Or maybe you're concerned, why is my track record such that she doesn't trust that I'm going to go forward here? What am I not doing that I need to start doing here? Is it about your holiness or is it about your happiness? And if it's about your happiness, here's the, one, the thing. You are always one comment. You're one tone of voice. You're one slip, just one mistake from losing it because your happiness is going to come and your happiness is going to go. But the growth is your holiness. We see in Scripture that men, the husbands, you are the spiritual head of the house. And see, this is what leadership is. My goal is their growth. To be the spiritual head is not to get what I want, to have everything like, okay, now you do this, you do this, I'm in charge. Or no, it's how can I get underneath this family? How can I support them? How can I help them be everything that they are meant to be, everything that they're called to be? How can I make sure that my family is moving towards heaven and moving towards what God has for us? That's spiritual leadership. So here's the second thing that you have to understand is that marriage, relationships, they just work better when we focus on what we can give to it, Right? Part of the problem with so many of our marriages is we're just, we kind of get tired of that. And we start to think, I've been given long enough now. Now I'm ready to start getting. Let's get Matthew 19. Matthew 19, verse 4. Haven't you read, he replied, this is Jesus, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female, and said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. You know, Maddie was asking me um, after she got engaged, she said, okay, now, Dad, what can I do? What should we do to get ready for marriage? How can I best prepare for what's coming? And I told her, and it's the same thing I would tell you right now, whether you're married or not, I said, Maddie, get as complete, get as healthy, and get as whole as you possibly can as an individual. Now, by the way, singles, looking for a spouse right now, the best thing that you can do right now is become the best version of yourself right now. Andy Stanley, he says, uh, if you're looking for a spouse, stop worrying about finding the right person and start worrying about becoming the right person. And whether you're not married or not right now, it's who are you and how you, can you become whole? And it's not that we have these two halves that come together and become one. We have these two wholes that come together in Christ become one whole marriage. Ben and Brittany Semples here, they, they were talking, uh, they came to our uh, a conference here, and they said, yeah, the two become one, but the problem is that we're fighting over which one. You're going to become more like me, you know, do things my way? I mean, isn't that so much of it? We want to be one, but we want to be my way. You know, there were these uh, two antennas up on a roof, and they fell in love, and they got married, and uh, the wedding wasn't that great, but the reception was excellent. <laughs> See, now I'm just warming up for my daughter's wedding here. I got to okay, take notes on that one. So-so, all right. You know, most of the issues that Gene and I, that we deal with in marriage, you know, I found, and it's not really a great idea. I don't love it, but it, the truth is that they're rooted in me. And now Gina has her issues. There's no doubt about it. She's got plenty of issues. But, but I've noticed that most of the issues that I have, the things that I keep running them, are actually, they're my problem. So like, for example, like if I have poor self-esteem, then I get mad when Gina doesn't put me on a pedestal. 
That's my issue. Or if I have issues with abandonment, then I'm upset when they're on that trip and they don't call me again and again and again because I'm so afraid. That's my issue. Or if my, if my spouse won't, won't do things like that, I want to do, hey, that was my idea and I have issues with rejection, I get angry about it. Why? Because of my issue. And I'm learning and I don't really like it, but I'm learning that every, at every level, at some level, every issue is my issue. I mean, everything we run into, I've got a problem in the middle of it. You know, when we were at this marriage conference, they were talking about, you know, what are your issues and what are her issues? And, and there's an issue in our marriage that I am just absolutely convinced is Gina's fault. And it has been for years. And, and I, you know, I can point it out and I can tell you why. And I can just say, this is, you know, and I've been thinking that, you know, she needs, really, this needs to be done differently. And during this conference, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me. And I was thinking about this one issue. And I didn't like what he had to say. Because I was thinking, yeah, well, she does this, and if she would just change this, and this would all work out. And the Holy Spirit said, why does it trigger you? What? Why does it bother you? Yeah, it's her issue, but why does it trigger you? And you know what? This hasn't been fun at all I, ever since I, I've been thinking about that. Because I've been thinking about, well, why does this drive me crazy? And you know what I found? It's actually I'm connecting with some old baggage from when like, I was 10 years old. And these feelings I have about being responsible for everything and I have to fix everything and everything has to be in the order that I want it to be. And I realized that that problem has become my issue and my trigger. And the only hope for change in the whole thing is for me to address my issue. I can't fix her anyway. You can't change him. You can't change her. And it's so amazing because you know what? I've been focusing on this one little part that I can do something about, and it's changing. It's like getting better, at least from my perspective, because I'm finally dealing with the part that I can change. And yeah, I know, yeah, she needs to change, but the greatest hope we have for change, the greatest hope you have for change in your marriage, listen, is if you change. That's the hope that you have. And now some of it, listen, some of it was like, you needed to learn to have better boundaries right? You needed to learn how to express what you were really thinking. And, that, and that's how you got into that mess. So sometimes you just said yes, and you went along with things that you shouldn't have. But sometimes it's just like, you got to face your issues and your triggers. Let's say 97% of the problem is theirs. Well, guess what part you can fix? The three. Deal with the three. Take care of that because you can't fix them. How much of our difficulty in our relationships with one another is just really our own stuff? And we magnify their stuff. Listen, they have plenty of stuff. They have plenty of baggage. Why does it have the impact that it has on you? And the best thing that you can do for your marriage, the best thing you can do for any relationship right now is deal with your baggage. To take a hard look at yourself and to say, okay, now what is it in me? Especially when it's their fault. Okay, what is my part in this? Why do I react this way? How can I change this? Your spouse, your coworkers, your kids, why does this bug me so much? Why does this make me so mad? And you say, yeah, because they know. I say, well, hang on just a second. Listen, keep digging. Get a little bit beyond because they. Why does it bug you so much? Well, they, no, no, not they. What about you? And if you keep digging and you keep looking, listen, you're going to find something. And like me, just this last week, you're going to be like, ah, I got to deal with this. 
You don't connect with your spouse to be complete. You be complete so you can connect with your spouse. You know, personally, like right now, if, you, if people like, if you degrade me or make fun of me or just like are kind of just mean with your words, I'm just like, whatever, you know, the Taylor Swift thing. It just, it just doesn't land. It's just not an issue for me. I'm just like, you're a grump, you know? You're mean. And I, hope you, I hope you get happy, you know? But if you break trust, there's something in me. You know why? Because I have trust issues. So if you break trust with me, oh man, it just rocks me to the core. It goes so deep. Do you understand that, yeah, you breaking trust, that was wrong, but do you understand that the reason it has so much power over me is because I've got a problem? I've got something I've got to work on here. For the sake of your marriage, for the sake of your family, for the sake of your future, for the sake of your relationships, for the sake of your own life, get whole. It's the best thing you can do for any connection you have with anyone else. All right, here's one more thing. And I think this is a tragedy, but here's the truth, is that, that our spouses often get our leftovers. And our spouses are supposed to get our best, not our leftovers, right? This guy, uh, I was fishing down at uh, the East Portal, and uh, Gina and I actually, where we came out, and we ran into this guy who uh, doesn't live here, and he found out I was a pastor, and he says, what's the second best thing that's ever happened to you? It's a strange question. And I said, well, Gina, second best thing. He says, ah, you answered it right. Most people get that wrong. He says, most pastors get that question wrong. Okay. Best thing that ever happened to me is Jesus. Second best thing that ever happened to me is Gina. It says that you leave your father and your mother and you cling to your wife here. And I want you to understand this because I see it over and over and over again. Kids are so important, but they're third. They're not second, and they certainly aren't first. Jesus, Gina, my kids. And work is really, really important, but it's like 11th. It's way down on the line, right? And now I've had three kids that have gone up and they, they've grown up and, you know, and I've told you they leave and it makes me mad, right? But here, here's the thing. The only one of your children who doesn't grow up and move away is the husband. <laughs> so you better be in love. Those kids are going to leave. Listen, if kids are the main thing, fix it. Listen to me, if kids are the main thing in your marriage, fix it because it's too late, because there will, I promise you. You're gonna be my age and there's gonna be a day and you're gonna look and they're gonna be gone and you're gonna be right there, just the two of you. And the question you're gonna have is what do we have? Who are we now? They're gonna go do their thing. If they're the center, fix it. We're a Jesus-centered family. It's a marriage-centered home. And then the kids are around there too. They're third. How easy it is. How easy it is for us to neglect the most important person in our life. I was talking with some friends. We were uh, at dinner the other day. And uh, they said, well, what we see is that people, uh, they live together for a long time. And then they get married. And it seems like every time they get married, that's like the kiss of death. Two years later, it's done. And they were living together for seven years. But something happened when they got married. Now, research shows, the science shows that cohabitation before marriage actually increases the likelihood of divorce, just so you know. And research also shows that cohabitation uh, before marriage increases dissatisfaction with marriage. But I think that the reason 
that it breaks up with divorce is because once we have that commitment, as we're supposed to have that commitment, we take it for granted. And we start to slide and live underneath that covenant and that commitment. Because you know what? They promised. They'll be all right. Think about some of the things that you have said to your spouse. Think of the bad ones. Would you ever talk to your boss that way? Would you say those words to your boss? Think about the tone of voice that you use at home sometimes. Would you ever use that tone with your kids' teachers or their principal? Think about some of the words that have come out of your mouth. Would you ever say those words in the middle of your Bible study or small group? Then why on earth is it okay with your spouse? Why on earth would that be okay with the most important relationship that you have? How tragic. How tragic that we would talk that way with our spouse just because they'll take it. Oh. How tragic we would take advantage of that covenant and that commitment because they'll just endure our crud. They'll endure the stuff that we spew at them. Your spouse is the most important person in your world other than Jesus. What have you done to show them? How have you let them know? I want to show you in the Bible here in Malachi, Israelites are having all sorts of problems and just unfaithful in so many ways, but I think it's interesting that God points out this way that they're unfaithful. One of the things that's breaking his heart, it's in Malachi chapter 2, verse 13. And the prophet tells the people of Israel, he says, Another thing you do, you flood the Lord's altar with tears, you weep and wail because he no longer pays attention to your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. And you ask, why? Here's the answer. It's because the Lord is acting as the witness between you and the wife of your youth. Because you have broken faith with her, though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. Has not the Lord made them one? In flesh and in spirit. That's so good. In flesh and spirit, they are his. And why one? Why does God? Here's one reason God wants your marriage to be healthy and good. Because he was seeking godly offspring. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith with the wife of your youth. I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel. And I hate a man's covering himself with violence as well as with his garments, says the Lord Almighty. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith. Now the Israelites are having this big midlife crisis where they're ditching their old wives and they're finding new ones. And God forgot, I and mean, the people forgot that God is a God of covenant. Remember we talked about covenants a little while ago. That a yes is a yes. And that even when they don't, we do. And that we continue on and it's meant to last and it's meant to endure. And there's no expiration date. And see, one of the things that I often tell people uh, in premarital counseling, I say, listen, your marriage is not 50-50. I've said that here before. Because if it's 50-50, you've got to do all 50. She's got to do all 50. And then maybe you'll meet each other. Marriage is 100-100. So if they're doing 3%, you're still covered. If they're doing 20%, you're still covered. Now, one thing I want you to understand is that God does not hate people who are divorced. But he hates divorce. Do you know why he hates divorce? Because he loves you. And he knows the pain. I mean, come on, so many of us, we're living the pain, right? Where do we go on Christmas? And how do we work out our holidays? And, and then there's this issue and that issue and the kids are just oh, so complicated. And God's like, I just have better for you. I want you to invest in them. I want you to move forward. I want you to have life in the middle of this marriage. I want to show you just one last passage here. It's a famous marriage passage. It's Ephesians 5. 
so good when you understand what God is talking about here in uh, Ephesians 5, 22. It says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And I know so many people read that and are like, huh? Ugh. <laughs> submit to the Lord? Submit to your husbands? For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, here, here's the key, though. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. How do I submit to Christ? Knowing that he has my good. Knowing that we can talk and I can bring anything before him. Knowing that all he does is care for me and sacrifice for me and love me. And it says here, husbands, listen up, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her. There we are. It's about your holiness, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. You see, here's the thing, is that husbands, you come in and your whole purpose is to lift up your wife. It's to sacrifice yourself for her. It's to cherish her. It's to see her excel, to see her move forward. And every decision that you're making is for the benefit of the relationship. And every decision that you're making is for the benefit of the family and the benefit of her. And I don't know, women, ladies, but to me, I would say like, well, who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want to come underneath that? Someone who's going to treat you like that? going to care about that and serve you like that. And see, this is, this is a beautiful picture that God gives us, is that we're supposed to be just like Jesus in the church. We lay our lives down for one another, and then because of that, we're able to follow and connect with one another. Marriage is a good thing, and it's not too late. It is not too late, even if you're divorced, to change your foundations. It's not too late to change the way that you go through this, the way that God designed it. It's not too late for you to move forward. It's never too late for you to become whole, to become the person that God wanted you to be. And it's never too late for you to become the right person. And it's never too late to start building the healthy, the right, the godly foundation that he has for your home. Marriage is awesome. It's so good when it's done God's way. So I'm excited for your marriage full for your marriage and I see life in your marriage and right now I want to pray for your marriage and so Lord God I just lift up every marriage here and I ask Lord God that you would open our eyes right now and that um, Lord I don't want to know what the other person does I ask Holy Spirit that you would show us our part show every single one of us our part Lord whether it's drawing a different boundary maybe speaking a truth that we've been afraid to speak, Lord, or, or maybe it's just to serve in a way we haven't served. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would show us, Lord, why are we triggered? Why is this our issue? Lord, we, we invite you. In fact, Holy Spirit, we ask you, would you please start with me? Would you start with me? And Lord, we do want you to fix them. We want you to change them, but would you start with me right now? And Lord, for those of us who are not in a marriage relationship, I, I ask, Lord, that you would start with me. God, that you would just make us whole and that you would change us and you would transform us and that we would become the person that you want us to be. Lord, I thank you that there's just life. I thank you, God, that no matter how broken a marriage is, that you can turn it around. I've seen you do it before. So I speak life over these marriages. I speak blessing over these marriages. I speak thriving and wholeness and holiness that will lead to happiness. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can. So come visit us at gracemontrose.org. Say hello. 
Let us know what we can do to help you grow in Him. God bless you.